Never negotiate with terrorists. Mr. Reagan. Donald Trump has declared that Antifa is a terrorist organization. I would submit that Black Lives Matter is equally a terrorist organization. America has made a critical mistake. I would say America has made a fatal mistake. We have given in to the demands of terrorists. Now, terrorists have demanded a number of crazy things lately. They've demanded that we defund the police. Uh, they've demanded that we pay reparations. They've demanded a lot of really mental things. Now, obviously, we haven't given in to all of their demands, but we've given in to enough. We've gone around and we've apologized to black people for being white, for the sins of other white people. White men and women throughout the country have gotten down on their knees in submission to Black Lives Matter. This will not appease a terrorist. Now, historically, the United States and other nations have had a policy about terrorism. You never give in to the demands of terrorists, right? In any hostage situation, you can never give in to the demands. Why can't you give in to the demands of terrorists, of people who take hostages? Because they will see that this kind of terrorism, this kind of hostage-taking, is an effective way of getting what you want. We'll delve into the details of this in one moment. First, of course, I have to sell you something. It's so important to keep your body healthy and youthful all the time these days. Collagen may be the closest thing we'll ever get to a real fountain of youth, while also forming a wall of defense between your immune system and the rest of your body. 75 to 90% of your skin, bones, joints, and tendons are made of this age-defying nutrient. The older you are, in fact, the more likely it is that you've heard of this, and for good reason. Many health experts now agree that consuming collagen is crucial to renew and revitalize how you look and feel. After all, collagen is the most abundant protein in your body, and it's essentially the glue that holds you together. In fact, after age 20, people produce about 12% less collagen in their skin each decade. By the time you're middle-aged, you could be producing less than half the collagen you did in your youth. Even worse, various lifestyle factors you may have been exposed to, like poor diet, smoking, pollution, stress, and excess sun exposure, can deplete your collagen levels even faster. In short, this year-by-year -year escalating loss of collagen is a key reason people look old as they get older, and it explains why that over time, skin sags and wrinkles, hair gets thinner, nails lose their strength, joints become stiff, recovery from activity and exercise slows, digestion-related complaints seem to come out of nowhere, and in general, our bodies seem to turn on us. So visit my page at healthwithreagan.com and secure your supply of the best collagen on the market that I trust. Link in the description. Look, BioTrust Collagen will make your skin look healthy and supple, and it gives you that youthful look. It makes your hair healthy and young-looking. It supports joint flexibility, strengthens nails, teeth, and gums, promotes strong, healthy muscles, tendons, and ligaments, promotes stronger bones, supports digestive health. I actually take this myself every morning in my coffee. So yeah, I definitely do support this product. Again, go to healthwithreagan.com and please do get this product. I'm very frustrated at the moment because I feel as if the left has been hoodwinked, right? They've been shamed into giving in to the demands of terrorists. 
they don't realize that the country is being taken hostage. They don't realize that these are terrorist techniques. You unleash rabid soldiers on an unsuspecting populace, right? They burn down your businesses. They murder people, right? They beat people in the streets. And then you say, okay, okay, we will give you what you want. You've essentially surrendered. If you surrender, if you surrender to a, an enemy force, an enemy military force, which is essentially what Antifa and Black Lives Matter is, then that enemy force controls you. They become your government. They become the people to which you are beholden. You pay taxes to them. You know, in World War II, when we defeated Germany and the Russians and, and the British, when we defeated Germany, Germany then had to pay reparations to Israel, right? They also had to pay the United States and Russia. They had to pay a lot of money out for the war effort, right? Because it costs us a lot of money. And you see many, many black people, especially those in Black Lives Matter, they think we're in a war. They think that we're in a race war, that we've been in a race war for decades. You don't think we're in a race war because you're white, right? Or you are, you, you, you live in the suburbs or you live somewhere nice where they tell you that black and white people can get along beautifully and there's no problems at all. And the truth is that can happen, right? But it can only happen in a monoculture, I mean, we do have a situation in which there are multiple cultures here. And they say it's beautiful. You know, the left says it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And in some cases, that's true. I think in some cases, you can have multiple cultures living next to each other, and it can work out quite well. But in other cases, you do get resentment. You do get conflict, right? And you've got to mitigate that. You've got to somehow... And if you don't recognize that that's a potential problem, it can escalate into something like what's happening now or what happened recently with the riots or with Chaz, the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle where they just took over several blocks. And I, and I recognize this isn't just black people. This isn't just a black and white issue, right? It's more of a, a radical left issue versus, you know, the, the rest of the public. But at the end of the day, the point I'm trying to make is if you have a single culture in an area, you will greatly reduce the conflict uh, as opposed to if you have two or more cultures in an area that are very distinct. Um, unless, unless all of those cultures had embedded within them, like a, a, as an ethic, the, a respect of other cultures, right? And white American culture has within it, as a cultural ethic, respect for other cultures. The problem is that also American culture assumes wrongly that other cultures also have this ethic. Most cultures do not have the ethic of respecting other cultures. So you have a situation in which one culture is comprised of people who respect other cultures and they are inviting in people from other cultures or they're saying your culture is beautiful and good and all that kind of stuff and not recognizing that that culture doesn't have the same ethics. I have talked many times about how there are problems in black culture that we just don't recognize. We just don't talk about them. A lot of this comes down to being polite. We have a severe problem in America. We try to be super polite. And this is something that I think Republicans actually benefit from. And that is that, like Trump, for instance, right? People think Trump, the way Trump speaks is ugly, right? He's too, he's blunt, right? He's too tactless. But what that tactlessness, what that blunt nature is, is 
a desire to be brutally honest, to be so honest that it's almost offensive, right? This is a tech, this is a type of thing that you get with New Yorkers, right? And to some people, this is off-putting, but to other people, this is refreshing because the person doesn't uh, lie in order to be courteous. And that's a huge problem that we have in our society today. We lie to be courteous. Yeah, we have this problem in our culture with um, being ultra polite. And we, being polite is basically lying, right? Like, uh, you know, if your girlfriend or your wife asks you if she looks fat in her clothes or something, you can't say yes. You can't say yes. But, but it is a little bit of a deception, right? Uh, but we, I think we take it way too far. The, the biggest issue, I think, between the races that I think that white people don't really understand what white privilege really is. I, I think I figured it out. White privilege is not being benefited, really, by being white. That's not really what it is. Somebody told me the other day that, like, I have the benefit of knowing who my ancestors are, and black people don't, right? And I said to him, well, that's just because in Africa they didn't have written records. So, I mean, there's nothing really white people can do about that. If you hadn't developed a writing system in a particular culture, there's nothing I can do to fix that for you. That's just... It is what it is, you know. But it, it, it made me realize something. It made me realize that I think being born into a culture or into a race that's very successful is something where you don't necessarily think about how, how that's, like, really cool, right? Because I didn't invent the light bulb. I didn't invent the telephone. My, my direct answers, ancestors did not. Just somebody who kind of vaguely looked like me did, <laughs> So, we don't necessarily take credit for our achievements, but I think that if you're from another race and your people maybe haven't achieved anything near what white people have achieved, I think then you do have a, uh, have a sense, and I talked about this in, in, a, in a previous video, of a sense of inferiority, right? It was like the story I told about my friend Liz. A sense of inferiority, like, oh, I come from an inferior race, or I come from an inferior culture. And this may not, like, I don't really think of it that way, and I don't think most white people do, because we don't think of people um, in groups as much as we think of people as individuals, or at least the Republicans think of people like this. And so it never really occurred to me, oh yeah, if, if you were part of one of those groups, you might feel inferior, even though I personally think that that is... Uh, an irrational way to look at your life. Here's, here, here's why I never really thought of this, I think. Here's why I never really thought of this, I think. Because my family, my ancestors weren't like wealthy aristocrats or anything like that. We were all f farmers. For, for as far back as I can look in Ancestry.com, which is 1440 or something like that, nobody's rich. It's just farmer, 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 as far as you can go. Nobody was rich, nobody was accomplished, nobody was hugely successful. And when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to think that you know, my, my grandparents, my ancestors were like, you know, royalty of some kind, secretly royalty. You know, you see, saw movies in the 80s about some kid who found out that his ancestors were actually kings or something. Well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And when I figured that out, what I thought was, okay, well, if I don't have any royalty in my ancestry, I'm going to make myself great so that my grandkids can look back and say, my grandfather was this awesome, hugely, you know, cool guy that achieved all this great stuff, right? So I actually think not having a history of great achievement can actually motivate a person 
to be the first in his line, in his lineage, to make a huge mark on society, be, be a great, great man. And, you know, that, that the rest of society reveres. And so I think that this is all about personal choice and personal responsibility. How do you respond to discovering about your lineage, discovering about your history? Uh, how do you respond to being a part of a group that may not necessarily be, con- you know, have achieved a great deal um, historically? Do you say, well, that's not fair that I was born into that group and resent the people who were born into a group of people who you see as having achieved more? Or do you say, okay, well, I will be somebody who changes that. So here's the thing. I think a lot of people do recognize on the face of it, right? White people have achieved more than any other group. Okay. Uh, that's obvious. We don't talk about that. You, 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 like you wouldn't go up to somebody who's really ugly and say, wow, you're really ugly. <laughs> you just wouldn't say that. It's insane. Why would you say that? In the same way, you wouldn't go up to a black person and say, oh, you're from a race of people who hasn't achieved all that much. That's, that's crazy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. But I think our politeness has evolved into a lie, right? Uh, the lie being, being this. The natural assumption is, well, if these people haven't achieved that much, that means that these people aren't that smart or aren't that, um, they don't have the potential to achieve that much, which I think is a false assumption, but that is an assumption that one might be tempted to have. But in order to resist the temptation to think that way, I think a lot of people have said, well, let's, let's look for other reasons why maybe historically people of the black race have not been able to achieve as much as other races. And you might think, oh, just even saying that is racist. It's not really. When the first white people went to Africa and met with the first black people, those white people were in, right, like the Renaissance. But the black people they ran into hadn't achieved a technological level beyond the Stone Age, right? They were still living in, you know, with Stone Age technology. And, and so, and so people not wanting to be racist or not wanting to believe that this group is inferior, which I don't think you should believe, but desperately not wanting to believe that, but maybe tempted to believe that, they try to come up with other reasons why, well, maybe, maybe this is the reason black people haven't achieved that much. Maybe that's the, that's the reason people, they haven't achieved that much. And the assumption became these people were held down. They were oppressed. They had their land taken from them. They had their resources taken from them. They had their labor stolen from them. And all of the greatness of, of the Europeans was only achieved by stealing from the black man, right? This is, this has become the narrative. And of course, this isn't completely true. There are, I mean, there are some, some aspects of truth to this. I mean, certainly wealth was gained off the backs of slaves and stuff like that. I think this was all repaid in the Civil War in blood by the deaths of hundreds of thousands of white men and, you know, paralysis and losing the limbs and, and all these kinds of things. I mean, a high cost has been paid already. But if you go back further than that, right, if you go back to before white men ever encountered black men, that's where the disparity begins, right? It, it begins before any interaction ever took place. So this idea that all of the achievements of white society can be attributed to slavery and all of the um, shortcomings of black culture can be attributed to white oppression. I mean, it's just, it's just a lie. It's just something that people developed because they didn't want to be racist because they wanted to be polite. And so I think that we took this idea of being polite and we went way too far with it. And I don't think we should be rude 
or cruel to people by going up to them and saying, oh, your ancestors didn't achieve anything. That's insane, obviously. But we do need to be honest about history so that we're not sitting there and just like, out of politeness, basically saying white people are pure evil, you know, and black people are good and amazing and perfect and they would have achieved just as much as white people or more if the white people hadn't held them down. Right? This is just a lie. This is just a lie that we tell each other to be polite. And it's, and it's awful and it's brutal and it's cruel. And it's also ridiculous because even, even though certainly many white people did commit many heinous crimes throughout history, many white people were very, very good people. And many black people were very good people and many black people committed a lot of crimes. I mean, this is something that we shouldn't have to say. This is something that should be very obvious in the 21st century. To conclude, I just need to say this. It is very comforting if you want to be polite, if you want to feel like a good person, to basically humor a lie that makes you feel better about the world. But you got to understand that that has consequences. One of the consequences is demonizing other people that are innocent. Another consequence is that when you acquiesce to the demands of terrorists, you encourage more terrorism. You actually encourage those who would like to get something from you through violence or through the threat of violence or through hostage-taking. You encourage those people to continue doing those same things and you actually encourage other people to to copy those same uh, techniques. And so what we've done is like I said, we've made a fatal error. We've encouraged terrorists to lash out even more. Do you think that if Trump loses in November, the riots will stop? No, they will not stop. What will happen is they will realize they got what they want, and next thing that they want, they want more stuff, they'll riot again. Do you think they weren't rioting before George Floyd? They were rioting before George Floyd. You just didn't notice it because the press wasn't covering it as much, and it wasn't as crazy, and they didn't have a good reason. But it was happening. The George Floyd thing just gave them an excuse, gave like the hard left um, an excuse to riot more. The hard left, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, these groups, they, they now know that Democrats will give them whatever they want if they simply say we're oppressed and they go burn down a building or they go beat up some store owners. If they do it in mass, if they do it with enough people and they do it with righteous indignation and they say we're doing this because we're oppressed, they know that white Democrats will give them what they want. And so you've made your bed, white Democrats. You've allowed yourself to be put into a position where you can now be exploited. And they will do so over and over and over again. Black Lives Matter will do it. Antifa is going to do it. The only way that we can stop this from now on, from happening from now on, is never give in to another demand. Arrest everybody who's looting. Arrest everybody who's starting fires. Put these people in prison. Make, make a show of it. Make sure that people understand that if they commit these crimes, they will be punished. That's the only way to, do, to deal with criminals. Otherwise, you encourage criminality. This has been well known for hundreds of years. How we could forget it now, 
I mean, it's just ignorance and, I guess, white guilt or something like that. It's just pure stupidity. All right, well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Good night. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves.